I, I'm really hoping and praying that it really ministers to your heart. I love when something makes us fearless in the Lord. And so since we are the body of Christ, we're the church, the church is the hope of the world. Now I understand Jesus is the hope, but he's put it in us. So today we've gathered. That's what the church means. The, the one word in the Greek New Testament is called ekklesia. It means called out ones. And so the church does two things. They, they gather, like we're doing today, and then we're scattered. And, and we become the hope of the world wherever we live, work, play, go to school, whatever it is we're doing. I, I love that. When the church is scattered, we're fearless. When we're together, we're fearless. And I just love that, being in the Lord when I'm fearless. And let me explain why. I love when I get to be fearless. Uh, like Yesterday was my uh, youngest son's birthday. He, he turned nine. And you know when you turn nine, typically your birthdays are very important to you, right? But what's really important about your birthday is you think, okay, I'm going to get uh, a present. I'm going to get card. Because you know when you're nine years old and you get cash, you can't play with it, right? We're excited as people who understand, right? Some of you, when you get cash, you're excited because you're on the other end of it. But when you're young, you can't play with it. And so they, sometimes they get really excited about cake. And I love what cake does to people. Cake will change your life. Cake makes you fearless. And let me say this. So last night, a, a sweet couple from Summit came over and brought this cake for Jakin. Uh, Denise and Scott Fitzsimmons, they brought this cake, and it was amazing. It was in the shape of a football field, and by the time we got done with it, it looked like there had been a lot of flood on that field because we were killing that thing. And so, but what happens is, I love it because I got to eat cake late at night last night. It breaks every dietary law known to God and man. Y'all right, need a Twinkie. You're, 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 not, you're not tracking me. It, it, like, it was thick with icing it had icing in the middle of it there was chocolate on the bottom and a party of vanilla in your mouth up top and it was amazing you just got a journey with me and so what happened was I got to eat cake last night late now I want you to know that I don't need a lot of cake that is sugar to get me going but if you do match sugar with what gets me going, then, then you might have problems. And so what happens is I got so excited after the first piece, I said, I'm going to have a, yeah, a second piece. And what I found is the second piece was larger than the first piece. See, I love that fearless feeling. I love that I was eating cake and I didn't feel guilty and I won't feel guilty because in my mind I said, it is my son's birthday so if i don't eat that cake then i'm telling my son he's not important to me or at least that's my rationalization in my mind and and so i got to eat it and the more he wanted to eat the more i got to eat and i surely don't want to turn down people from summit that are trying to feed me you know, I understand that Denise and Scott want me to get to heaven quicker. That's why they put a lot of saturated fat in that thing. But that's a whole, whole other story. So, but it was amazing. And so I want you to know it's just that power. I was sitting there eating last night, and I'm going, this is unbelievable. I have no guilt with back fat. None. 
Like none. It's amazing when you're fearless. And that's what I'm praying in the Lord today. Here's, here's why. Uh, Leonard Ravenhill said this. This is uh, an older preacher who's going to be with the Lord. said this. He said, you will never, ever have to advertise a fire. Woo! Come on, somebody. Okay, we're not on fire. Um, uh, you will never have to advertise a fire. Everyone comes running when there's a fire. If there was a fire at your house, if there was a fire at my house, if there was a fire at the school, we'd be running out, people would be running in. I mean, you don't have to advertise a fire because it just spreads. He said this, and I loved it. He said, so if your church is on fire, yeah, y'all with me? If your church is on fire, you don't have to advertise because everybody will know it. And I said, Lord, that's me. I, I, wanna, I, want, I want that. It's like you said, an experience with God that costs nothing, does nothing, and is worth nothing. So God, I want to have an experience with you. I want to have an experience, and that is my prayer today, that we live fearless. We don't hide behind, Lord willing, upcoming Halloween and putting on costumes and everything. I know it's all fun and games, but, but back when the Druids, like I said last week, you know, we put that on to hide from the spirits that were dead and the evil spirits that were around. I mean, we don't have to hide. We can live fearless because of the Lord. And that's what I want to have. I want to be a man that when I get up here to preach, that people come to watch me burn. I say it all the time, like the old preacher said, a burning heart produces a flaming tongue. So, what makes us fearless? What, what makes us? I want to look at two scriptures today. Two scriptures. The first one is uh, 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 18. So, if, you just, if you're turning there in your Bibles, on your phone, whatever you got, 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 18. It's real easy to get there. You go to the back of your Bible, go to Revelation, and you just make a left. And just a couple books over you there. First Peter 3.18. And this is going to be the springboard to get us into our main passage. But I want to say this, I want to say this point. And all the notes are on uh, Summit Church at Facebook. You'll see it there. So if you want to go on your phone or pad or whatever you got, you can check out the notes right now and, and, and check them out. Uh, the gospel makes us fearless. The gospel makes us fearless because we can be in the presence of God. That's the gospel. I, the reason why I want to be on fire is because the gospel is what changes. Listen, seasons come and go. Uh, people come and go. Um, things come and go. But the word of the Lord stands forever. Now think about it. Hardly anybody can remember what happens last year. I mean, just, I can ask Coach Travel. I mean, people could say, oh, well, you did it last year, but what they really want to know is what you're doing this year. And when this year is over, guess what? It's over. And then they'll want what's happening next year. But the gospel stands forever. It's the one thing that we can put our emotions, we can rest in, we can live in, we can bathe in, we can soak in. The gospel of Jesus Christ. Listen, it's, we get his presence. The gospel makes us fearless because we get the presence of God. When I have the presence of God and I feel him on me and I feel thick, I am not worried about what anybody else has to say. I don't have to worry. It's like seeing cake. There's no guilt. I don't feel guilty when I'm in the presence of the Lord because Jesus became the guilt offering. 1 Peter 3.18. This is so good. Mm. I'm telling you, one day I'm going to do a lap, and then when I trip and fall, y'all will just laugh at me. Here he goes. For, for Christ, this is just the first part, for Christ also suffered once for our sins. Once. Which means he don't have to do it anymore. 
He doesn't have to do it multiple times. Christ doesn't have to come on the cross every time that John sins. He doesn't have to do it. He did it once. Past, present, future, it's all done. For Christ also suffered once for our sins, the righteous for the unrighteous. Woo! And I love it. I am unrighteous, but now because of Jesus, because of the gospel, he has imputed his righteousness on me. He has transferred his righteousness on me. So when I die, and I just got done cussing somebody out and i die because of the gospel i can stand in front of the lord and i'm still saved some of you are saying there ain't no way you didn't say you're you didn't say you didn't ask god to forgive you right before you saw him i just want you to know something if i have to ask god to forgive me right before i see him then jesus's blood is not enough when he died and I received him as my Lord, and I surrendered him as my Lord, now he is always in front of me. Whether I'm good, whether I'm bad, whether I'm indifferent, he is in front of me. Now, does that give me a license to go out and just cuss everybody out? No. Does it give me a license to go sin? No. Paul answered that question. Shall I go on sinning so that grace may abound more? In Romans, the answer is no. I'm not giving us a leeway to sin but what i am saying is that we have an advocate first john we have an advocate with the father jesus christ the righteous one for christ died i love this for christ also suffered once for sins the righteous for the unrighteous and then look at this phrase to bring you to who saints that's why he did it listen the purpose of the gospel. The great news of the gospel is not that we have eternal life. The great news of the gospel is not that our sins have been forgiven. The great news of the gospel is, is, is not that all of a sudden now I, I get the righteousness of Jesus. The great news of the gospel is I get God. That, look at this. He brings us to God, to bring us to God. That, as Piper would say, everything in the gospel is meant to display God's glory and remove every obstacle in God, that is his wrath, and every obstacle in us, that is our sin, so that we get to enjoy him forever. That's the good news of the gospel. Every obstacle that God has towards us, which is his judgment wrath because of our unholiness, because of our sinfulness, that wrath has been removed. First, I mean, excuse me, Isaiah 53, 11. It pleased God to crush him. He was known as a suffering servant. Just read Isaiah 52 and 53. There it is laid out for you. That's the Messiah. So all that wrath was put on Jesus. So there is no wrath for us. So any obstacle God had towards us was satisfied in Jesus. And any obstacle that I had towards God because of my sin, my unrighteousness, was satisfied in Jesus. So I get to get him. That's the good news of the gospel. And there's not a football game, and there's not a degree, and there's not a grade, and there's not children or grandchildren or a job or career or fame that can match the glory of the Lord because one day all other glories will fade except for his. And there will be only one light, and it will be him. 2 Corinthians 4, 6 said this, For God who said, Let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts 
to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. The glory of God is the face of Jesus. It says it right there. And he's put his light, that is the image of Jesus, in our hearts. So when people do things to us, listen, being a Christian is the hardest thing I've ever done. I was telling Robbie this morning and Spencer this morning, I was telling him, listen, I would rather go back into preseason camp, I would rather go into all season and run till somebody makes me throw up, I would rather, I would rather go ahead and suffer through all the physical things than to have to go through the emotional pain. Sometimes following Christ will take you through emotional pain. Can I get a witness, somebody in the room? It is, it is tough, it is tough to deny yourself when emotion says go the other way. But yet Christ is saying, you got to go with me, John. And I'm going, but my emotion says go here. My emotion says I can't trust you. Uh, my faith says uh, it's weak right now. And the weakness of my sinful, sinfulness says I can't trust you in your promises. It's very difficult to follow the Lord. It's very easy to be saved. Because see, Romans 2.5 says, but because of your stubbornness and your unrepentant heart, you're storing up wrath against yourself for the day of God's wrath. But praise God for the gospel that God's wrath, his obstacle to us, has been satisfied in Jesus. So what does it mean here when he says to bring you to God? What does that mean? The purpose of the gospel is we get to be in the presence of God forever. You say, but John, I'm not in the presence of God. Yes, we are. We have the Holy Spirit. And I want to tell you something. There's some false teaching going around, somebody. Can I tell you there's some false teaching going around? And I'm having to deal with it right now on this campus. There's some false teaching. I promise you. I was sitting with one of our professors who is a professor here at, at, at Charleston Southern in Christian Studies, and he's a sweet guy, and he asked me to come to this, and I'm sitting there as he and I and a student, and, and, and the student said, basically is this, basically, okay, you've got to act on your faith, you receive Jesus Christ, uh, yeah, you're saying that he's Lord, but you've got, you got to act on your faith, so you've got to go and get baptized, and you've got to be praying because, uh, praying, because until you get tongues, you're not saved. You don't have the Holy Spirit. If you don't have the Holy Spirit, you're not saved. And he looked at him and he said, are you telling me that I am not saved? And he said, yes. He went to 1 John. He quoted in 1 John that when you say that Jesus is the Son of God, that you are saved. Quoting it. And the guy said, no. I mean, there's, there's listen, there's, I'm, what I'm saying is tongues, I'm not saying that tongues is bad. Tongues is great. I'm, I'm not saying that the gift of the Spirit is wrong. That is great. But what I am saying is, is that people will try to take this stuff and twist it into a certain way that's not scriptural. And their intentions are good. Their intentions are great. But it's not really the way it is. Because here's why the purpose of the gospel. The gospel is not that we have the manifestation of this presence. The gospel is that we get his presence. Look, look what he says, the word bring. I want to give you this word. It's online. You can look it up uh, there on uh, Summit Church Facebook. I put the notes in there for you so you can pray through this. But the word bring there in the Greek literally means to open a way of access for one to God. That's literally what it means. To bring you to God means he opens a way of access, and it has, it has another layer to it. 
not only is he opening the way of access for us to get to God, but it also means to summon. So God is summoning us to himself. We get the presence of God. Listen, if you are born again in this room, the Holy Spirit of God lives within you. And yes, there is a battle. And the Holy Spirit is a gentleman family. The Holy Spirit is not, Jesus said, behold, I stand at the door and what? He didn't say, I kicked the door down and came in and just wrecked you up. No, no, he's a gentleman. The Spirit of God is a gentleman. And he's not going he is not going to go any place in us that we don't allow him to go. Man, that's why God loves a broken and contrite heart. In Psalm 51, oh God, you will not despise. A bruised reed you won't crush. In other words, he's saying that if we just make room for him, he'll do it. That's the purpose. Of, he's summoning us. So here, the gospel makes us fearless. Every time I preach, I was like, okay, Lord, I'm down here praying. When they're up here singing, sometimes I'm just praying. I'm like, Lord, I know the Holy Spirit. You've given me the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit has sealed me, Ephesians 1, for the day of redemption. So the Holy Spirit's within me. So God, if you don't do it, I can't go up here. What can I do for anybody? Look at me. I can't even control how many pieces of cake I eat. Like, I got problems. And God's going, yeah, you got problems. That's why I sent Jesus. It'll be all right, you know. Right? I mean, I got lots of problems. But the point is, if the Lord doesn't speak through me, if I don't step back and he doesn't step up, then we are not gathering in his name. And God wants us to move fearless. Every one of us. God wants to move fearless. Here's what happens when you're fearless. Here's what happens. It's like this, sorry for my football analogies, but that's all I know. It's like this, like to me, the people, like the guy that kicks the ball off, ladies, you all tracking me on this? The guy that kicks the ball off, all right, I'm just kidding, they kick the ball, and then there's this line of people, they run down the field, right, and they're trying to tackle the guy with the ball. To me, this is just John speaking, these people are fearless, because here's why, because they're running down, and they don't know who's going to hit them. Is it going to come this way? Is it going to come this way? Or is there going to be three guys that hold hands and say, Red Rover, Red Rover, send John right over? Y'all don't play that game anymore, so y'all don't know what I'm talking about. They outlawed that because that's not politically correct. I mean, back in our day, it was like, boom! How you like me now? Boom, get up. Back in play school, man. Woo, we scare people up. All right, so, but those people, it's rough. So you don't know what's going to happen, but to me, that's fearless. That's how I want to live my life in the Lord. Because guess what? Every one of us in this room going to lose. You say, well, oh, John, I've already suffered losses. Well, I want to tell you, if you live long enough, you're going to suffer more. Can I get a witness from somebody? There'll be a day, one day, where your knees don't work as good as they used to work. They'll be, well, there'll be a day when your only answer to get the boo-boo out your eye is coffee. There'll be a day when your back ran away. There'll, there'll be a day, for some of you in this room, hair will be as scarce as your cash. There, there will be a day, there will be a day that you can't do things that you used to do. And listen, the older you get, the more fearless you have to become. 
And I, yeah, that's what I'm saying, because Kevin's older than me. He knows. <laughs> Lord, I'm sorry I sinned, but it was so good. I couldn't help it. Just so good. So good. It was delish. All right, so <laughs> help me, Jesus. But what I'm saying, what I'm saying is, is that it, there'll be a day where our bodies just change. Things change. There'll be a day maybe if you live long enough, you won't be able to drive yourself. There'll be a day that maybe you won't be able to think as clear as you used to think. There'll be a day you won't be able to move like you used to move. There'll be a day when certain people groups will think you're irrelevant. But I want you to know this, that some of the most powerful saints in the gospel were people that the world had written off. Because you're never, you're never useless to God. Ever. Listen, let me tell you, I was telling the football team this Friday uh, at CSU here. I, I just got to tell you, I listen, Laura Edwards was a medical doctor. She was nearing 80 years old, and Ruby Elias was over 80 years old, single, had given her whole life to missions. And those two women from the Twin City area go to Cameroon, and they are driving from village to village, and they are bringing physical healing so they can share the gospel and the presence of Jesus. These are people that are irrelevant by today's society. They are too old by today's society. They are done by today's society, but they weren't by God. And so they go, and they go from village to village to village, and one day as they're driving around a curve, the brakes give way, they go off the cliff, and to their death they fall. Was that a tragedy? Absolutely not. Because they were giving their lives away for Jesus, and their death, Jesus will be glorified. As in, he just glorified himself by me telling you their story. And so their death was not in vain. How is it not in vain? Because guess what? God comes in like a flood when we need him. I, I know, I'm going to ask for forgiveness. Do y'all know who's playing keyboard up here today? What's his name? Anybody know? Yeah, Robert. Robert's an amazing man of God. His wife, Deb. I just, I got to know him when they were students here. Amazing. And y'all know that they have a son. Anybody know their son's name? Judah. And is he not a miracle baby, by the way? Yeah, he's a miracle. I mean, how many weeks when he was born? 20 what? 24. That's pretty miracle, baby, isn't it? I mean, it's a miracle. That, but you know what? I loved, I looked up today, because sometimes my eyes closed, I'm praying, I'm trying to just feel the Spirit. I was watching Robert sing, just sit up here and sing. And by the way, he's got a tremendous voice. I mean, he teaches, he teaches music and voice as, as a teacher at Ashley Ridge High School. I mean, guys, like, uber talented for some of y'all that know this i mean csu knows it because he comes back he's even in plays and musicals because he's so talented he's up here just singing his heart out to the lord and i looked up and i couldn't help but think there's the gospel at work right now and you're saying why john because of his son no because he buried his mother friday do you hear what i said what i say you can talk back we, we we're not spiritual tell me he buried his mother, what? Gospel at work. Gospel at work. Come on. Robbie, you're going to have to play over me because I'm, 
I'm just getting, I'm, going, I'm just going to go there. I mean, if I fall out, just put like, you need to get some women over here, put like a blanket over me. I don't know why. Uh, I don't have a dress on. And, and Never mind. I just thought I'd say that. Sounded good. Exodus 17, let's turn there. Here we go. Exodus 17. The gospel makes us fearless. And, and I'm going to tell you, here's the other two ways it makes us fearless. This is what I want in the Lord. Come on up here, Robert. Man, I love you. Man, I love you. Thank you for letting me say that, by the way. You're a great man of God. Exodus 17. When you get there, tell me you're there by saying amen. Well, that's all right. I got, we, got, we got about eight people. See, you know what? I'm going to tell you. I, I Listen, the one thing I know, there's only one thing I know the Lord is going to let me do. There's one thing he's going to let me preach because that's the only thing I know to do. That's the only thing I know, and I'm going to give it everything I got. I'm going to be running full speed, running down. Exodus, here we go, 17, check this out. Verse 8, the Amalekites came. Amalekites. Esau, Jacob and Esau, Esau's grandson, the one that sold his birthright, right, for a, a bottle of stew. The Amalekites came and attacked the Israelites at Rephidim. So uh, the Israelites have come out of Egypt. They've come out of slavery. They're, they're staying there in, in that uh, desert area, in the Sinai region area. And all of a sudden, the Amalekites, who are on the southern uh, Canaanite border, come down into that place there in Saudi Arabia. They come down and they attack the Israelites for no reason. Anybody ever been attacked for no reason? Oh, I got three people. Well, guess what? You live long enough, it's coming. Right? Y'all know what I'm talking about? People just, people just do things. Moses said to Joshua, choose some of our men and go out to fight the Amalekites. I love Moses' response. Go fight! He didn't say, let's sit and pray about it. Here, let's come together. We're going to have the Lord's Supper and we're just going to pray. He's like, get out there and do something about it. I love that. I love Moses said, no, they're not going to wipe out the movement of God. Mm, come on, somebody. Whenever time God is moving, so is the devil. But the last time I checked, he's defeated. Moses said to Joshua, choose some of our men and go out and fight the Amalekites. Tomorrow I will stand on top of the hill with the staff of God in my hands. So Joshua fought the Amalekites as Moses had ordered. And Moses, Aaron, and Hur, that's H-U-R, not H-E-R, but Hur, went to the top of the hill. As long as Moses held his hands up, the Israelites were winning. But whenever he lowered his hands, the Amalekites were winning. When Moses' hands grew tired, they took a stone, put it under him, and he sat on it. Aaron and Hur held his hands up, one on one side, one on the other side, or one on the other, so that his hands remained steady till sunset. So Joshua overcame the Amalekite army with the sword. I want to tell you something, family. The gospel makes us fearless because we always have someone to look to. Oh, I'll go over here. That's pretty good. The gospel makes us fearless because we always have someone to look to. Listen, we're down here like Joshua. We're down here doing the fight. But guess what? We got somebody who's faithful. 
We got somebody that we can look to. And we got somebody who don't need his hands to be held up. We got somebody who don't need to sit down because he's tired. We've got one that's undefeated that we can look to. That's a good word, isn't it? But I'll tell you this, you'll never make it through the fight if you don't have your eyes fixed on Jesus. You're not going to make it. We're not going to make it if we don't. You know, I, I love, I love this. It says that his hands were held up. And every time his hands went down, every time his hands went down, they, they were losing. But every time his hands went up, they were winning. And this is what I love about it. It relates to football. Moses was doing like, it's good. Like they might have been playing with, with a stone and, and saying it was a football game. I don't know, but it's good. Well, I thought about that, and I said, you know, why is this the symbol of victory? Come on, somebody. Come on. You know where I'm going. Come on. Why is this the symbol of victory? Because when your hands go up, that means your knees have gone down. Whenever your hands go up, you're saying, I surrender. Whenever his hands are up, he is pointing to the one who can bring the answer. He's pointing to the one who's the king of kings and lord of lords. He is pointing to the one who he saw on the mountain. He is pointing to the one who appeared to him as an angel of the Lord in the bush. He is pointing to the king of all kings, Jesus Christ, the righteous one, our advocate. He is pointing to the one who is victorious even over death. That's the one that we look to. He is saying that God is good. And when you're in a fight and you look to him and he's the one you look to and he's the one, you, listen, it doesn't matter where, where you are emotionally, your emotions say, no, I've had a bad life or no, I've been handed a raw deck of cards, whatever that means. I've been, I've been handed this, I've been handed that. No, here's what happens. When you look to Jesus, your trajectory changes. If I start in L.A. and I'm going to Boston, Robbie, and I'm one degree off, by the time I get to Boston, I'm about 30 degrees off. But if I start at L.A. and I'm going to Boston, and I'm in a straight line, my trajectory is straight, and I got a whole new path. God's put you where he's put you because you've got a path fixed. Listen, your emotions say no. Your emotions say quit. Your emotions say turn away. Your emotions say run into the arms of another. But no, you better not run into those arms because by the time you get done your walk, you're going to be way over there. It might only be one step over here right now and you think you can get back. By the time you keep trailing, you're going to be way back here. I mean, the Lord has us fix our eyes on him because God is good. Uh, Psalm 73 Verse 1 tells us, tells us that God is good. Surely God is good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart. And see, that's where, mm, let me just say this. Robbie, this is where I really want to hit on this. When you fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, then guess what? That faith that you fix your eyes on when you say, I'm looking to Jesus, I'm not going to look that this happened, I'm not going to look at this loss, I'm not going to look at this game, I'm not going to look at this situation, I'm not going to look at what I don't have, I'm not going to look at what I have, but I'm going to look to him. Faith in Christ severs the root of sin, John Piper said. Listen to this. Because sin has the power because it makes promises to us. Listen, sin has power. If you, 
I need you to get this because it makes promises to us. That's why, listen, sin will lie to him and lie to Robert when he buried his mother fry. Sin will lie because it makes promises to us. It makes promises like this. If you lie on your tax returns, you will have more money, and when you have more money, you'll be able to get the things that will bring you joy. See, sin makes promises. Uh, here's another one. It, 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 this extra, the extra money will make you happier. How about pornography? Here's a, here's a simple example. It's just simple. That if, if I, sin will say, listen, if I have, as Piper would say, this surge of pleasure, that that surge of pleasure is better than the joys of a clear conscience and the presence of God. Uh, the, the, that surge of pleasure is better than the presence of God. Sin makes promises because I want you to know no one sins out of duty. No one, no one. I do not sin out of duty. You do not, you don't, we don't wake up and say, I'm going to sin today. It's my duty to be a jerk. We don't say that. No one sins out of duty. We sin because we believe the deceitful promises that sin makes. And those promises are lies. For everyone single in this room, listen to me. When you follow someone who's bringing you closer to Jesus, you found somebody pretty good. But if you're following somebody who's not bringing you closer to Jesus, you're following a lie. And if you end up getting married, unless Jesus moves in, that relationship is built on a lie, and it is very unstable. Because there's only one who is stable. Matthew 7 says if you build your house on the rock, right, somebody? No one sins out of duty. But when we sin, something can happen. Hebrews 3.13, but encourage one another daily. That's what I'm hoping today. As long as it's called today so that none of you may be hardened by the sin, deceitfulness. So the gospel, the gospel, I love it, makes us fearless because we have someone to look to. And that someone we look to, that someone we look to is him. Hebrews 12.2, let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of God. Jesus said, I will look to my Father. I will look to my Father, though all this pain is coming my way. I will look to my Father, because in his presence, there's more joy than me not doing what God called me to do. That's what I want to leave you today. You've got to have someone to look to. And look what it says there in Hebrew, uh, excuse me, Exodus 17, verse 15. Moses built an altar and called it, the Lord is my banner. Uh, translated Jehovah Nissi. Listen, I want to tell you something. God is your banner. I wanted to show a video of a, the Olympics, you know, when somebody wins the medal. And what they do, they take the American flag, right, or whatever country, and they wrap it around them. Why? Because it's not an individual victory. It's a victory for their country. It's a victory for their nation. It's a victory saying, hey, all this is really who I am. Today, do you need to build an altar and say, God, I'm going to fix my eyes on you regardless of what I sense, think, 
feel or what I think the future might hold? Am I willing to build an altar today? Your altar might be your knees. Your altar might be I'm praying with somebody. That might be your altar, but I want to tell you, are you willing to build an altar today and just say, I don't even care what happens. I'm fixing my eyes because I'm going to trust in the one whose promises are true and don't trust in the lies of man and Satan. You need to build an altar. You know what else I love about the gospel? The gospel makes us fearless because we're not alone. When Moses' arms went down, Aaron and her held him up. And so that's when the body of Christ comes around you. When you're down here praying and somebody's praying over you and they're begging the Lord, listen, that's your Aaron, that's your her lifting your arms up. When your arms are weak, there are people that will lift your arms up. That's why they prophetically play and sing over us because we need people to lift our arms up. That's what the gospel brings for us. God sends people, and even when we're all alone, God still sends one who can do more for us than anybody else, and that's the Holy Spirit who is our comforter. We don't need the arms of man. We don't need the arms of woman. We need the arms of Jesus. Today, do you need God to be your banner? For your team, family, for your friends, for your workers, your co-workers, yourself. Who do you need for God to be your banner today too? Father, that is my prayer. I pray that we'll build an altar today. The Lord is our banner. And I pray as I'm praying that people need to come and just say, Lord, I just need you to be a banner. I need to just fix my eyes on you. I need to fix my eyes on you. You're, you're the one I'm going to look to regardless of whether I feel like it or not. I'm just going to look to you right now, Lord. I'm going to look to you. I'm going to fix my eyes. There needs to be a banner at my job. There needs to be a banner in my family. There needs to be a banner with my friends. There needs to be a banner with this person I'm ministering to. There needs to be a banner. And so, Lord, today I'm coming to you and I'm asking, Lord, make your name my banner. I'm fixing my eyes on you. I'm trusting in your promises, though circumstances may fail us. You never will. You are my banner, and this is my altar. And I look to you. Jesus, your hands never have to be lifted up because the victory is already won. You never get tired and weary because it is finished. And that's what you did on the cross. And you're my banner. And Lord, we commit today for the ones praying and the Aaron and hers that are coming and lifting their arms up. We're praying today, Lord, right now. We are praying today that you would do something miraculous we need to pray for our team. We need to pray for our friends. We need to pray for our sweet mates. We need to pray for our grandchildren. We need to pray, Lord, to you, the banner. And this is our altar. And if there's anyone in here today, Lord, who's not right with Jesus, and they are not saved, there's only one who can satisfy the holiness and the perfection and wrath of God 
And that is by you sending your son, your essence, Jesus. We can't do it. We can't overcome the obstacle of our sin and the judgment do it. But Jesus can. And you said today, if we repent and we trust in Jesus, then you will save us. That if we'll fully submit to only Jesus, you will save us. So my prayers today, if there's anyone in this room that needs Jesus as Savior, they need the gospel of salvation today, that, Lord, they would come forward right now and get on their knees and make this an altar and say, I lay my body down as a living sacrifice. Save me, Jesus. I believe you're the only way. You're my righteousness. And I confess with my mouth, Jesus is Lord because I believe in my heart that you are. That is my prayer. And then they would let us know so we can begin discipleship. This is our altar, Lord. May you, you be pleased by the fragrance of our sacrifice. In Jesus' name.